Hey guys, I just got this vape from Treacherous Tony. <coughs> it tastes pretty nasty, but I look cool with it, right? You guys should give it a try. Be cool like me. Nah, you look pretty stupid. And if you get caught with that thing, you're going to be in big, big trouble. Besides, I heard Treacherous Tony is that lame guy who likes to come around and hang around little kids. If you're hanging with him, you must be lame too. Come on guys, let's get out of here before we get in trouble like Cooper too. <coughs> oh no, Sergeant, be safe. You kids get out of here. Cooper, tell me where you got that from. I won't snitch. <laughs> I don't see what's so funny. Vape pens like that can lead to harder drugs and cause more problems for you. They're not appropriate for little kids such as yourself. So I suggest you do the right thing and tell me who you got it from. Treacherous Tony gave it to me. Tristan, <clears throat> I want you to take me there now. Are you? Yes, I'm Treacherous Tony. What do you want? Do you have a card? And why are you selling this to kids? Yeah, I got a medical marijuana card. I don't sell it to kids. I give it to them. You give it to them? What kind of an adult are you? It's a vape pen. What's the big deal? Are you kidding me? The big deal? Get out of here, Sergeant No Safe. Sometimes I just wanna. Yep, I think I will. All right. All right, all right, I give up. I won't do it again. That's right, you won't. You're off to jail. Put your hands up and come with me. Remember kids, what's made for adults aren't suitable for kids. Those vape pens may look cool, but they are not good for you. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Oh no, Sergeant, be safe. <laughs> Subscribe now.
start the show. What up, what up, what up? Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is another episode of Black and Blue, and I got a special guest for you. He's backstage now. I'll introduce him in a moment, but you know how it is. This is the platform where we talk to law enforcement officials and first responders on their experiences, on their publications, their trainings in law enforcement, whether they're rookie, whether they're seasoned or retired. And we get the, make sure you get those questions ready because it's going to be interactive and we learn a lot from them. All right. We are uh, streaming on five different platforms right now. We're on two on Facebook. We're two on YouTube and one on LinkedIn. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to those pages. I'm your host. I'm the host of Black and Blue. It's your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker, Coach Cleek, coming at you. And we're going to have a tremendous time. You guys already saw uh, Sergeant B. Safe. For those of you who follow Sergeant B. Safe, the rough draft, the first rough draft is still completed it had to go back to the editor for some changes but we're we're getting it done the children's book is on its way so hopefully it'll be done before the school year is out and we're going to hit up some local schools with that um uh, give me some input give me some of your ideas of those of you that like starting to be safe all right again like i said we're streaming on five different platforms so if you have your question get your question ready put it in the comment section okay if you're looking for your name or your shout out put your name and where you're from in the comment section also and i'll give you the shout out other than that, I cannot see who's on the platform. So if you say, I was watching the show, you didn't say my Sorry, unless you put something in the comment section, I won't be able to tell who's on here. All right. Um, this show is sponsored along with Sergeant B. Safe by One Way Publishing. One Way Publishing, you see a couple books behind me that I wrote, a couple books that um, their clients have also wrote on, on the website itself, on the um, business itself. I see, right, there we go. There we go. I see uh, Marcel Doc Coleman is on here. Yeah, I know he, he's that running guy. If you don't, if you haven't kept up with him, so make sure you guys keep up with him. But One Way Publishing, they they have the slogan: they can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. So if you ever had that wanted to write your own biography, autobiography, uh, instructional book, a cookbook, fantasy book, reach out to them and scroll them below. Don't do it now, but make sure you it's scroll to workwithclee.com and it's also in the comments section. But I, I'm not going to say, I can't explain it as good as they can on the commercial. So stay tuned because here it comes. Publishing. Have you ever wanted to explain something, tell a story, or leave a piece of you behind? Have you ever wanted to write your own book? but not specifically know how to do it. Well, get ready. One Way Publishing's here. We can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. People need to learn from you. They need to hear that story. Kids need to read that book. Imagine if you wrote your own children's book and get to read it to your kids. Here at One Way Publishing, we can get your fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, instructional, what have you done all at a reasonable price and definitely a reasonable time frame and if you don't believe me ask sergeant be safe he's working on his right now he's definitely writing the best chapter of his life make sure you check out his cartoon skits that air on the podcast black and blue as sergeant be safe said that's your tip of the day to get you on your way
And there you heard it first, One Way Publishing, all right? But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I know you guys didn't come here to watch me to watch me talk and, and, and give out these sponsorships and these announcements and things like that. We got a special guest backstage. Some of you may know him, others of you may not. I got his book right here. I read it. I, it was a good read. Those of you that are interested in law enforcement and first responder, this is a good instructional book, and we'll talk about it right here. It's Tom Rizzo's Tom, yes, Thomas Rizzo's book, um, and he's backstage now, and he, he's a wonderful guy. He's very electrifying, very exciting. He's been on podcasts before. Uh, he's actually still currently working in the law enforcement field. He's a high-ranking official in the local department um, in, in and on the here on the east coast he's an investigative division commander he's been working in law enforcement since 2001 ladies and gentlemen he's also an adjunct professor at a, a college close to him he's the author of kapakazi the book i just showed you he's a consultant in the ivory tower he's going to explain that what that means and and we're going to talk about that as well and first and foremost he's a family man and he prides himself on putting his family first uh, and i know that for i uh, listened to one of his podcasts and i think that's outstanding because us and this field us in law enforcement we sometimes put family second and it, it, later it's things spiral out of control but without further ado sergeant b safe is going to welcome him to the platform and he will be up right next hello this is sergeant b safe and i want to welcome all you viewers and our very special guest to Black and Blue. So get your questions ready and enjoy the show. further ado he is being brought to the stream now tom are you there how you doing man i'm great man thank you for making yourself available and thank you for coming on the show i appreciate it can you tell us a little bit about yourself give us a little foundation of, on who you are sure uh so again i was born and raised actually in new york and then okay. uh, we moved to new moved to new jersey um my grandfather god rest his soul was nypd so i knew right away what i wanted to do um, I started to play ball, you know, got decent at it. I decided to go down to Florida. Uh, I, that's where I was going to college. I was on my way to go to UCF. Uh, okay. My mother became terminally ill um, mm. and, you know, so couldn't afford college. So what I just tried to navigate as best I could as a young kid. Uh, what do I see? I see the recruitment stand for the, you know, the army. And I said, oh, wow, you're going to pay for school. This looks like a great deal, you know. <laughs> and uh, so there I went. So I started to navigate, figuring out what I wanted to do. And I was, uh -huh. in, you know, I was in Fort Benning, Georgia. I was back and forth through college, yeah. um, you know, navigated it well. I was very blessed that I had the right mentors to say, hey, listen, if you're not looking to make a career out of the military and you want to be a cop, do it this way. So mm -hmm. I listened to what they had to tell me. I was very fortunate. I graduated college early. Um, unfortunately, September 11th happened and um, that's it. I just started. I always say I wasn't special. You know, at that time, the hiring frenzy was sort of like it is now. And uh, they, you know, uh, just a different dichotomy, but they needed uh -huh. cops. So uh, I was very fortunate. I got my first opportunity um, in a, you know, medium sized department for New Jersey standard, about a 35 man department. Uh, mm -hmm. I just wanted, I, I love the familial attitude there and the culture, but that I just wanted to be able to expand. 
Uh, so I was the first police officer in the history of that department to actually transfer, um, which I okay. did to a larger mm -hmm. agency. That was right around the time that, you know, I was getting married. And uh, it, you know, it's like I said, life has a funny way of working itself out, you know, uh -huh. and, and, and what seems to be a blink of an eye. I had my career and my life kind of, you know, blossom into what it is now with, you know, four children. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to promote through the ranks. I'm currently a captain. Mm -hmm. uh, it hasn't been an easy road, but it's a road that I that I, I feel is well traveled. And I firmly believe in a lesson learned should be a lesson shared. And uh, I always say my best asset is, you know, I believe in people. I, I, I'm a people lover and I love people of all sorts. And I think that that seems to be, I, I think, the bridge on how we can make this game a bit better for everybody. Absolutely, man. That was a great intro. I think he hit all my topics all in one. But but still, we're still going to have fun and we're still going to roll on. I'm excited to have this interview here. Um, <clears throat> so you said, yeah, our, first of all, first and foremost, Army leads the way, Hull. And I was stationed yeah, at Fort it. Benning <laughs> also. <laughs> I was at Fort Benning um, 90, 97. 97, yeah. I went through jump school there. I was there for a couple months. So I, I know okay. Fort Benning, Georgia was a lot of fun. But Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna keep a lot of those things under wrap right now. I was a different person back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, is that where you got your burning desire? I know you said that your grandfather was also NYPD. Did you get your burning desire to be to get in law enforcement back then, or did it hit you more in your college and military life? So no, you know, uh, my grandfather was my first influence, uh, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know when we moved to New Jersey, my best friend, my next door neighbor, who became my best friend, uh, his father was a chief of police. Okay. Um, and it, it just seemed to, you know, the men in my life, I emulated, you know, my father was a, uh, he was a New York city bus driver, but at the time it was just blue collar blood. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it, so it was kind of instilled in me, not so much about just to be blue collar, but I, I guess more about the work ethic and about, um, I was always an, so I believe I was an athlete. So I, I was just always the team type thing that I was drawn to the team. You know, as much as now I'm attracted to the entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. uh, it's the team. It's the it, it's the how people could be, uh, you know, contagious and positivity and all that. So that's what drew me to it. Yeah. Gotcha. And so as you explained, it, it rising through the ranks wasn't easy, but uh, rising to the rank of captain is, is a tremendous feat in itself, especially with the larger department. That That's not easy in itself. Was there anyone that you that took you under their wing that you emulated after that kind of helped you uh, develop into the police officer, into the first responder, and to the man that you are today? Sure. So uh, early influence was, you know, I never wanted to be promoted. I tell everybody the story. I, wa I wanted to do narcotics. That's that's my baby. It's what I love. I still in it, to this day, it's it, it's just part of my fabric. Um, but I had poor supervision. So my mentors were not supervisors. So what, had, you know, early on in my career, I was being mentored by folks that had the chip on the shoulder, though. And I was like, you know, as much as I love and adore you as to the police work you're doing, I don't firmly believe it's got to be polarized, you know, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I was getting really bad guidance and really bad mentorship from who mm -hmm. I looked up to in terms of rank that uh -huh. I said, look, I could either become a squeaky wheel or I could become part of the solution. And I know mm -hmm. that's not easy for everybody because right. nepotism, politics and and those types of things can play out. But mm -hmm. I always say when I transferred, nobody knew who I was. So when I got the opportunity to take the sergeant's test, I smoked that thing because <laughs> I didn't have any darts being thrown at me, you know? Yeah, so it was yeah. like, all right, here we go. Let's rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Very true and very interesting. I kind of want to jump on that as well. Uh, you, you, you see how it is interdepartment and interagency. Um, through the years of law enforcement, we see it often. Uh, so, some guys are, are climb the ranks because they want the rank. Some guys actually do the job and it goes hand in hand, vice versa. And I'm not trying to throw any jabs or anything like that. It just happens with agencies like that. Sure. Um, do, do you see and what do you think the divide is between uh, admin and, let's say, street cops, just uh, to kind of give them a, a certain label? Uh, you know, street cops say, see things a certain way. They feel that the admin uh, may be against them. Uh, admin see, sees things a certain way and they believe that the street cops are against them. What? what how do you think we can bridge that gap? Well, I, I hate to pitch, you know, my class, but that's exactly why I named it the Ivory Tower. Mm -hmm. We, as we ascend in rank, we also divide in connection, which makes no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Just because we think that's what we have to do, we don't. Uh -huh. And I always talk about it like this. I always say if we stopped worrying about the four corners of our districts, of our communities, of our, our municipalities, and we worried first about the four walls of our buildings, mm -hmm. you would see the connection come back together. and We would understand each other. I don't believe admins, just because now that's what I am. I don't believe admins are the evil empire. And I don't believe that the working class folks that are on the first line are the dum-dums. I don't. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the what industry has created that we have to almost do those things where we're the only ones smart enough to create a policy not you you wouldn't dare be smart enough for that and then you and the line lover are looking at us saying they have no good you know they have no clue of what's going on in the street uh -huh. and then who ultimately suffers our customers that's who the community right so i say all the time if we could put these two things together it'd be really neat but how do you do that you got to remove the cloak we have to share with the line level and we have to receive input, but the line level also has to then be exposed to what we deal with in terms of policy implementation and why, where we get this from, the data, the statistics, and how it works to manage. And I think if we did those two things and we communicated to each other, as much as we worry about communicating and pandering to the peanut gallery, we might get somewhere. Wow, good answer. Good answer. And that makes total sense. So how do you think that works with uh, community policing? I know that's a hot topic. You hear it all yeah. the time. You want police, the, the, everyone, the public wants police officers to be more engaged. They want uh, yeah. uh, police officers to be more humble and understanding. And from my personal opinion, uh, with my department and my experience, we've always been engaged. We've always yes. been uh, uh, discerning and humbling. Uh, but of course, you know the phrase, the, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The loudest person in the room is the one who gets all the attention. So you get that loud person shouting and it brings all this attention and puts a negative light on first responders and law enforcement. So I say it like this, and it's not an advanced physics formula. I mm. say remove the ego and insert the empathy. And here's how. Okay. The ego in us, right? I'm going to go tell the community what they need on, in order to connect. What do I mean? Well, what's the, what's the first thing that we do? We go to these communities, especially that have enhanced police interactions. A lot of the times, proactive policing interactions, search right. warrants, arrests, high-profile mm -hmm. incidents. And then we insert through ego, oh, mm -hmm. I know what will help. Let's go give teddy bears and let's do dance-offs and let's let the kids do pull-ups off the back of our MRAPs. <laughs> but the community didn't ask for that. You right. see, what happens is, man, I've been, to, I've been to 40 states, okay? And I've mm -hmm. been to all the hot spots that hit the news. Because why? I, I firmly believe, let me, let me form my own opinions. 
And bro, when I walk these streets and talk to the common folks, I have yet to run into a community that said, you know what we want? We want more cops to get out and dance with us. You know what everybody can relate to? White, black, red, purple, brown, pink, and rainbow. It would be what? Human dignity. Mm. I just want to be treated like a human damn being. I understand you got to arrest that that clown. I understand you got to chase that one. But mm. I also understand that that's still a man, that's still a woman, and that's still a human being, and there's a way to do it. So right. I think if we started to do, but but we have the ego, we know the solution. Instead mm -hmm. of going and asking these folks that are being affected by the policing service, what do you want from us? But you know why we can't answer? We can't handle the answer because sometimes the answer is, look, we don't love you guys, but at the same time, we don't hate you either. The only time that we want to see you is when we ring you. And when we ring you, we're not all criminals. Mm -hmm. And if there is a criminal, do what you got to do, mm -hmm. but make it that's it. <laughs> but we can't handle that. We're like, no, no, no. We need to take a picture with you with my arm around you and pretend handcuffing you. And then, yay, nobody believes it. Right. A BLM group coined it, Copaganda. And you know what, bro? Oh. They were right. Wow. They were right. They say the cops don't want to be there and the community don't want them there. Stop with the photo ops. It don't work. <laughs> Interesting. I never heard that phrase before, but that 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 makes total sense. I, honestly, yes. Wow. <laughs> it's 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 enlightening to hear because um, certain things you, you have those gimmicks, uh, uh, yep. and and you can tell some are gimmicks. Some, like you said, are photo ops. Then you have those real moments. When I, I had a, um, uh, a chief on here where I interviewed him, and he expected. He said. I expect my guys to act professional at all times because no matter how chaotic the situation is, there's always one professional, at least one professional there. And I expect them to be professional. And in hearing that, I'm like, wow, you know, it, it, discerning dignity, but still professional. And still they, they, you got called there or you responded there for a reason. You have to react to that reason in, in a professional manner. And once it's done that the, the public can't deal with that situation until you get there. Once it's done, then you, then it's over with. There's no need to, to ridicule. There's no need for any kind of chastisement for any any anyone else or anything else. Handle that situation like a professional and then move on to the next. It's that famous quote, right? Those that I fight, I don't have to hate. And those that I serve, I don't have to love. I just do it in mm. the middle. And, and but, but again, you're going to tell me as a cop, you're going to tell me what every victim you go to that you're loving, like you're not rolling your eyes saying this is the fourth noise complaint I'm going to. Like, so what I'm saying is, but we can't just be honest about it. And again, where does that come from? We just have to know the difference between taking things personally and taking things seriously. And what that chief told you is spot on. If you're professional, but you also allow the human part of it, you know, for me, what are we before we go to work, while we're at work, and when we leave work? We're human beings, too. Beings, yep. So if I get annoyed like any human being would, the mm -hmm. uniform doesn't, null, doesn't nullify my senses. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think if we just started to relate to that, hey, why did that police officer act like that? You want to know why? Because he's a man. She's a woman. She's a uh, human being. So, And I understand why you got annoyed. You know why? You were driving to work. The last thing you needed today was a ticket. I understand. <laughs> it ain't hard. Yeah, yeah. Very ground level. So let me ask you this. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you haven't got your copy, let me, I'm sorry, the camera flips it around. It's on Amazon, Kapikaze. Make sure you guys get your copy. But what inspired you to write this book? Uh, real simple. A lesson learned should be a lesson shared. 
And uh, it, it's literally as cliche as it sounds. It's literally, you know, what I wish somebody had told me then. Um, it's not a love affair with policing. Obviously, it's geared toward helping police officers, sure, right. to manage, like I said, and, and and the trajectory of the career. But it's also meant more for the loved ones. You know, you, you know how sometimes you want to get that message to your loved ones and there's that disconnect. Uh, mm -hmm. But it only takes it takes that same message, but for an outside source to deliver it. So I figured if I could help, if I could help with the loved ones and then ironically, and I've taken heat for this to appeal to the opposition, not to get them to under to, to start flying a blue line flag, but right. to just maybe hear it, especially from, you know, I, I am of rank, so I'm not going to give it to you why we do it perfect all the time. But right. maybe just maybe to offer that insight as to this is how this is how, why, what. And I figured if I could do that, then maybe I left my thumbprint on it. You know, there's so many of us out there. I'm not special because I wrote a book. There's so many of, of us out there that have a story to tell but we're minimized to that that one time I was chasing that criminal. There's so much more to us, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how you said um, you kind of, you wrote that to speak to yourself, the, the younger version of yourself. Uh, yeah. I know um, with the newer generation of law enforcement coming in, uh, what what do you tell them? I know as you, you're a you're a, a adjunct professor uh, and yeah. you're you're higher up in rank, so you see guys coming, you see guys go. When they're coming in, what do you instill in them to let them know early on? Like, okay, this job may be a meat grinder. This job can be fun. This job can be boring as as all as all get out at moments, and it can be a huge adrenaline rush. What do you instill in the new guys that you learn through the process? You know, one thing I'm known for is telling everybody, and this ruffles feathers, but I say, please tattoo it on your heart that you work for yourself. You work with ABC Police Department. Oh, wow. And the reason okay. why is because if you do it that way, then you know you're subscribing to your own personal values, your resiliency, your work ethic, your work attitude, your self-discipline. There's going to come times of tranquility where the, you know, things are going great. I mean, you can't miss, you know, every shot you throw up goes in the basket. And then there's going to come times that you're going to feel like no matter what you do, it's yeah. raining above your head. Yeah. So the only way to navigate that is not to point the fingers outward and blame. Well, he said, well, she said, well, he did, well, she did. Mm -hmm. Look to within, go back to your source and go back to the fact that you work for yourself. What did you sign up for yourself to do or to not do? And mm -hmm. I think that's the secret sauce and it's the key to longevity, which is what we're seeing now. See, I don't believe that we have a recruitment crisis. I believe we have a retention crisis that we've mm -hmm. created ourselves. And I think that if we don't fix that, who the hell do you think is talking to the next in line? It's us. Yeah, absolutely. So we, you don't have to worry about sign-on bonuses. You got to know what did you already sign on for, right? Uh-huh. That's interesting. That's one of my questions down the line, but we're going to jump right into it now as well. Uh, as we're seeing, you see the, the sign-on bonuses. You're seeing a lot of young, young men and women coming out of college, coming out of the military, and got, got their foot in the door. Why should I become law enforcement? Why should I do this? But the caveat to that question is you see a lot of seasoned vets and they're doing the quiet quitting and they're if they can retire early, they're getting out the door quick. Uh, they're, they're, they've had enough. They're ready to go. And no matter what kind of speeches, no matter what kind of uh, how, whatever propaganda you try to use to keep them there, they've already made up their mind. They're going. How do you think you can we can counteract that? Because 
I mean, the police, I know police, uh, law enforcement is evolving and it's changing, but it's necessary and it's not going away. I go back to your question about community service. Remove the ego. Look at what we're doing. You go to these symposiums and you see administrators and, and they're shaking hands with each other saying, oh, what'd you do? Oh, I did a $7,000 sign-up bonus. What'd you do? You, I see some of these flyers. It says overtime available. And I'm like, wow. Let me, oh, yeah, oh, my God. And, and then they sit there and still wonder why we're not getting people to sign up. <laughs> why do you think my book is called Kapakazi? Because people realize now I'm literally signing up for a crash course. You've shown me that the first time if I happen to belch or if I have a bout of flatulence on a microphone, I'm going to get not only fired, I'm going to be criminally charged. I'm never going to be able to get a job again. And then what? And then you're going to tell me, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We've sacrificed so much of what we stand for that the backbone doesn't exist. If the backbone doesn't exist, then the, the being itself crumbles. So, so there's agencies I know that have a waiting line to get into. You know how they figured it out? Again, removing the ego. Uh, we'll let you wear a beard if you keep it well-groomed. Hey, we're good. Why? Things have changed. You want to get some tattoos? Nothing egregious, nothing that's going to insult anybody. But we get it. We understand. Uh, what do you covet now? It's not a generational thing. It's a societal thing. People like Mental health. They like taking care of their physical well-beings. They like to be able to have flexibility. Uh -huh. These are things that are free. They're free. And again, what do we still go back and forth with? Keep adding the sign-on bonuses. Guess what's happening? People still are, they're not taking, it's a bait and switch. It's not taking it. Yeah. They're not taking it. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. That, that's one that, that question gets asked a lot, um, either on the platform or just wondering, like, what, what nation na nationally, people are walking away. They're not they're, they're We're have agencies are having problems filling bodies and, and finding qualified applicants and it, just having that conversation. Like you said, like you just put, I think, would uh, uh, deter a lot of those questions and actually bring forth. Uh, the right kind of people for this occupation. Well, again, and I keep saying, if you think the answer is to, so I, I think you and anybody else would agree, at least with a, a functional brain, they've done, the, it hasn't been an equitable share in terms of how much they've added to our plates compared mm -hmm. to how much we've actually been allowed to feed. So the way that the industry does is they try to balance that plate by offering incentives such uh -huh. as these bonuses but, but, but that's been proven not to lead to longevity. How do I know this so well? Why am I so passionate about this? Because what if I told you overnight I got a $40,000 raise? What if I told you that? Hmm. Anybody would tell me I was crazy if I wasn't walking on clouds, right? And that's exactly. what happened. See, because when I got promoted, I was a baby and a salary guy. They didn't know what to do with me. But they hmm. couldn't deny me because of how well I scored. Now, if you hmm. would have asked the Tom then, what do you need? I would have said, bro, if I get stripes, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing it. I, we are getting the movie channels. I'm gonna, daddy's gonna get a truck, and we are set, uh -huh. bro. I didn't make it. A, I didn't make it a month before I was back to woe is me. And do you know why? Because the culture was indicative of that. So again, it's a culture thing, and these are, these are free. These things are free. I got a question. Shout out to Shayla. How do you get uh, seasoned? individuals to make the change what will it take everyone is leaving what's the breaking point 
Hey, Shayla offers a great question. And my answer would be very simple. Uh, believe not in the religions. I don't ever, you know, uh, press upon my religious beliefs or my political ideologies, but in the words of the serenity prayer. What if I told you, rip the bandaid off? You probably can't control who the chief is, who the next chief is. But you know what you can do? You can invest, again, individually and then in an intimate circle. You create a circle, and that's how you effectuate change. It might just be an informal change, but it's how you equip yourself with the resiliency to survive for yourself. And I said this all If you're not being inspired by the people in your circle, you don't have a circle. You have a cage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forget I, what quote did I see? Uh, you surround yourself the the five people you surround yourself with are you, you'll rise to their level or sink to their level depending on uh, their mentality and how they they interact. Yes, Pro proven fact. And again, the truth of the matter is, and, and I'm a realist, you know this about me. No, you can't just turn around and say, "Oh, hey, let's get rid of the chief." You, we all know that's not the way the game works. Right. But you know what you can do? Again, somebody like me, I promise you, I never envisioned myself getting promoted. I didn't want to. I wanted to be that street sweeper out there. But again, I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to go for this because I could either be this guy, the jaw jack, or uh -huh. I could do something about it. The solution. Absolutely. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. We're going to have a certain be safe commercial break and we're going to come right back and jump right into it. So stay tuned. Insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Surgeon B. Safe here, and I'm stuck in the office. I'm stuck. You want to know why? I'll be completing reports for stolen vehicles. Yeah, that's right, stolen vehicles. I tell people all the time to lock their doors and put away their valuables. However, this continues to happen. Do you know that about approximately 95% of all auto thefts can be prevented? Here, let's go for a walk and I'll show you a few examples. Example number one, you go to the store and you leave your car running. Little do you know that Chance Wilder's on the prowl. Uh. He sees your car running with the door unlocked, gets in it, and they're off! At the start. Oh no! Frustrating. Let's move on to example number two. Ooh. You're at home and the car is parked for the day, but you feel safe and secure and believe this could never happen to me. And there's Rob you blind going from car to car. Uh, just got Party caught though. Poopa, be safe. Hands up. You're coming with me. Ooh. People leave their car doors unlocked and believe it or not, their keys in them. Here's video footage of someone going onto someone's driveway and entering their car. And guess what? Stealing that too. Even if you don't keep your car key, don't keep your spouse's key in the vehicle either. Believe it or not, they park right beside you. So therefore, take the extra step, lock your vehicle, and take your keys inside. So here's a little bit of information for you. If your car is ever stolen, and then I find it and recover it, it's usually not in the same condition that it once was. It could have been involved in a motor vehicle accident because of joyriding, or just have more dent scratches and damage on it. You'll get an incident report and a tow bill. Your insurance company may cover the towing and recovering fee, but you could also have to come out of pocket with some extra expenses. So now let's move on to example number three. Parking lots at major businesses are prime targets. Lock your doors, put valuables away, park in well-lit areas, and definitely do not 
I cannot stress it any harder, leave your vehicle running in the parking lot. Because no matter how many times rob you blind and wild chance go to jail, they will always take advantage of a prime opportunity to take your valuables or steal your vehicle. Don't be an easy target. Hands up, you both are coming with me. Ooh. These are just a few examples of how you can protect yourself and be vigilant with your property. Uh. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for sticking around. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones with Sergeant Be Safe because now that it's getting warmer out, uh, I just dealt with it over the weekend. It, it, it ha- it's nonstop. Please, lock. It's, it's a crime of convenience where people leaving their vehicles running, people leave the cars in them, leave them unlocked overnight, whatever. There, there's not geniuses out there taking them. Lock your doors, take your keys with you. All right. That's just my. I'm the, my soapbox on that. <laughs> we're going to jump right back into the interview, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're here with Tom Rizzo. I'm going to take a, a step back in the interview uh, because I know uh, learning about you, uh, I know I was also a narcotics cop. I worked on the, the task force and vice units, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was a huge adrenaline rush. Got to come to work sometimes in uniform, sometimes in plain clothes. Got to do so many different things and felt like you were very proactive just going after the bad guy and, and, and seizing guns, money, and drugs and getting the bad guy off the street, you felt like you were accomplishing something. What are some of your experiences that you can share with us uh, working narcotics? So, I, I, you know, again, it goes back to what the question was. How do you want to do, what do you want? So we got very proactive. I'll say that, you know, carefully. And um, again, and I was being shot down. I wanted to create a unit and I, it took me literally six swings and misses and I got shot down until the seventh one, I finally got it to work. And I created uh, my municipality's first ever criminal suppression unit that was a narcotics unit. But okay. it, it's because I was dealing with an administrative and a political climate at the time that didn't want to acknowledge we had this stuff going down our highways and, and happening in our, you know, in our homes. Uh-huh. You know, to, to the tune of, we did over 600 search warrants. I mean, we got, we got good at what we did uh-huh. and, um, and again, it was just matching the passion to the objective, you know. So every time we were told no, instead of just taking our ball and going home and woe is me, we reinvented it in another wow. way. And we literally got coins cowboys because nobody was doing what we were doing in terms of networking. And, and next mm. thing you know, when the FBI is walking in our building or the DEA <laughs> or the state police or other or other jurisdictions, they're like, what are you guys doing? We're like, hey, listen, here we go. Why would we only stop it here? Let's make it go here. And yeah. and it was, I, I say with pride, I, I wouldn't have been able to be successful if it wasn't for surrounding myself again, like I went back to with people who inspired me. Mm-hmm. I might have been the leader in terms of rank, but mm-hmm. uh, my goodness, and, and I just did it without an ego. So if that meant I was the one getting a high profile arrest, I say with humility, I hold records in my department and I'm proud of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But my whole thing is I've tried to equip, you know, other officers with the faculties, the skills and the abilities to far surpass whatever I've done. Nice. I like that. It, and you kind of you, you 
plant the seed that you're a leader that that produces other leaders. Uh, and you Love need it. that, and it's moving the moving the peg forward generationally. You need that in law enforcement as well. Uh, and yeah. and so as you climb through the ranks, uh, are you still that same style of leader in admin? Yeah. So I I just firmly believe you don't ever ask somebody or expect somebody to do something that you wouldn't do. But I embrace. This is where I, I guess I'm the anomaly. I embrace hypocrisy. So, you know, you could call me on it and say, yeah, but Tom, you you were the guy that used to do this or you were the guy that would have said that. And I would say, and this is exactly why I'm telling you not to. I'm not. I, I hate. I hate. I hate. Oh, well, I had to go through it. So make him or her go through it. No, that's silliness. That's why we're again, we're dying off. And that's why we're becoming endangered. My mm -hmm. whole thing is, if I could show you the way, like the best teachers out there are the ones that, you know, give you the tools and, and show you, you know, how to do it, but not what to see at the end, you know. So if you know your destination, the path doesn't matter. I'll show you my path. I'll give you all my secrets. Uh -huh. But you may not walk like me. You may not talk like me. So you do you. But mm -hmm. I'll give you every bit of tools, knowledge, skills, abilities, and some of the secrets of the game that I've acquired over the years. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and what might help you? Because what's the best mark of a so-called leader? It's when the game continues to be played in your absence and hopefully better from where it was when you inherited it, right? Absolutely. Good point. Good point. Thank you. And uh, yeah, man. I know you talk about how family is important to you. And, yeah. and with this job, especially a rotating schedule, uh, sometimes they, with those departments that are days, nights, or how, whatever kind of rotations they work, uh, overtime, uh, call-outs, whatever may happen. There's so many different things. And, and especially guys that I know wanted to be law enforcement first responders since they were teenagers. So they worked right. their whole life to go through the military or college and or both to finally go through the academy. Once they go through the academy, they get their, their dream job. And once they get their dream job, then they, they start, they have a girlfriend, then they get married and they start having kids. But they had the thought of being first responders first. So therefore, in their mind, the job, they're building their way up the job, the ranks, they're working the job, they're having fun, they're doing exactly what they wanted to do. But then you realize that you're only available to go to the the major events. You're, you're there for Christmas because you took off if you're if you're able to. You're there for those cookouts. You're there for those championship games. You're there for those big moments, but you miss all those other little moments in between, and you don't know it because you're working the job and you feel so important. You, I hear this a lot with the guys like, "Wow, my family grew up right in front of my eyes, and I barely remember." anything that happened but i could tell you what happened on march 6 2014 when we kicked in the door at 123 street <laughs> so uh very sensitive topic to me and the reason why i say that is you know um i i'm best friends with my wife but mm -hmm. our marriage has suffered you know irreparable damage because mm -hmm. of what i've done in terms of I always call myself that i was a great dad right uh -huh. but i always say i wasn't a great husband in terms of we call this a selfless job, right? Mm -hmm. What if I told you I, I had this revelation? It was selfish. Hmm. You see, I, I I never asked. Hey, I asked you to marry me. I asked you to be with me. I never asked your input on, you know, when you see, you know, a relative police officer who works an eight and skate mentality and calls out mm -hmm. sick every time, you know, something's going on and never once has put handcuffs on somebody, right? Couldn't arrest his way out of a sardine can. But then I never asked you when I said, oh, I want to be this badass kicking indoors uh -huh. that 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 I get stressed out when you tell me the hot water don't work 
but I get calm to go run after somebody with a pistol in his hand down wow. and out. Yeah. So, so I never asked you or I never communicated to you, you know, those things. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, again, I don't know if I could get that time back. I said this and I believe in doing this every podcast I do, every interview I do, every class I do, mm-hmm. I'll give you the shirt off my back in hopes to help. I, you see, I, I don't, I don't say that I walk on water. I know, I know where I've tripped in my life. Uh-huh. And I know the people I've hurt. I know the people, the relationships I've severed. And, and, and I say this all the time. It's because the job won't love you back. So right. do I believe in putting in 110 effort? Hell yeah. You can mm-hmm. tell by my energy. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it hard. Mm-hmm. But I also believe you should love hard and you should communicate hard and you should get in, and, you, you know, you shouldn't build the house backwards like I did. See, I built a pretty house, man. You gave my intro. Uh, uh, adjunct college professor, all these degrees, the youngest to ever be promoted. My God, look at me. Aren't, aren't you impressed? And what if I told you, but I, I worried about the landscaping, but the inside of the house was a mess. Wow. Wow. And I think, and I think if we started to share in those secrets, right. Uh-huh. And I think if we started instead of to commiserate, right. Instead of to say, Oh yeah. You know, yeah, the, the, you know, the old ball and chain, she don't understand. Well, why doesn't she understand mm-hmm. whoever communicated to her that she didn't know this is what she signed up for. Cause nobody mm-hmm. told her. Absolutely. And I think that goes hand in hand with another topic that goes on in, in the first responder world, which is mental health. And not yeah, only yeah. do uh, first responders deal with it from the traumas that we see day in, day out, from call to call to call, but then uh, your significant others, uh, whether husbands, wives, uh, what have you, uh, uh, they deal with it from the times that you come home when you don't feel like talking or you can't explain what you've seen to someone who doesn't actually do the job. It is very difficult to explain when they, how was your day? I'd rather not talk about it because you got to go through each step and it makes perfect sense. Or, or the kids, when they're, they're having, a, I, I give an example. I, I remember uh, my son, when he was younger, he was probably about 13 and he was cutting up in school. And I got a phone call uh, about him cutting up in school and it was basic 13 year old stuff. I mean, it, it was, he shouldn't have been doing it, but it was like throwing a paper airplane across the room, something to that effect. And so I re- remember reaming them out, reaming them out. Uh, and I'm like, don't do this again. Do you know how embarrassing this is? Blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. Then that night when I go to work, kids his age are out here stealing cars. They have handguns. They have firearms with them. They're they're doing robberies and so many different things. I'm, and it hit me. I'm like, wow. I just reamed my son out for throwing a paper airplane in the classroom where he was supposed to be, had a moment of uh, a lapse in judgment, but do what things we've all done where I'm arresting this other juvenile the same age as him that's out here actually committing felonies. And that was an eye-opening experience for me. Yeah. But again, they don't have, you know, but they don't have that connection though. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, and, and why would they? Like, what about what about that confusing dichotomy that they see? You know, it's easy. And I never negate the importance of mental health in terms of critical incidents. Uh-huh. But however, I've made quite a name for myself in terms of ruffling feathers of, well, let's talk about the real stress inoculation that happens. Look, the anomaly, they're the big booms, the active shooters, the, those mm-hmm. types of things. And they're heroes to me. Heroes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But let's talk real talk. 91% of stress inoculation, this was a study conducted by the American Institute on Stress when it comes to first responders, okay. has been proven to happen within the four walls of the building. 
So, so when I go home and then my family sees my brothers in blue Uh are the ones that are giving me an ulcer, right? Or the ones that are hijacking me or the ones that are sabotaging me or the one, what does that really say to them? But then, but then I'm going to tell them, but don't worry, don't worry. That's why dad's not going to be here tomorrow or on your birthday or on your holiday, because this is going to be worth it. This is the this is what you know, this is the big picture. But they're like, but you're sacrificing for us, for folks that, you know, wouldn't throw water on you if you were on fire. Right. Isn't that what you told us? So I'm big into the mental health game. Again, going back to the four walls, if we don't Mm -hmm. equip ourselves with that stuff and we don't say, hey, wait a minute, man, you're having a problem with your son you know, cutting it up in class. Listen, don't go so hard on them. You know, yeah, of course, be that dad. But, you know, what I'm saying is let's have that conversation with each other instead Mm -hmm. of just saying, yo, get out on the road. You got calls pending. Like, how about I remember what it's like to have my son have that problem in school and say, you know what? His head ain't right right now. He just got a call from school that he's got to deal with and he's got to navigate. Let me give him five minutes and let me just see if he needs something from me. Hmm. Imagine that, you know, but 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 yet I expect you then to go out on the road and empathize with some stranger. Hmm. Don't work. Yeah, yeah, good point. I like agencies are, are within themselves, like you said. It does if, within the four walls. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it where the threats are. Yep. That's where the threats are. I've been told this by, I have some heroes that are my mentors. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that uh, you name it in the police world and they've done it. They're in the books. These are my heroes. Yep. And when they told me when I was younger, they said, man, I'll tell you right now, you got to worry about, you know, the locker rooms and you got to worry about the administrative offices more than you do any street gang out there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense to me. I was like, nah, that can't be, yeah. you know, because yeah, I yeah. believed in Disney World, man. I believed in the Easter yeah. Bunny, you know. <laughs> And um, and I was like, no, 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 no. And then when I saw some of it and I said, I don't understand that. We're not supposed to be doing this to each other. We're just yeah. not. Yeah. It reminds me, I often hear uh, from other guys as well. Uh, most guys, they, I, I'd rather be out on the street all day long dealing with, with inter- interactions with the public, uh, burglars, uh, uh, druggies, uh, ro- robbers, things along. I know who I'm dealing with. I know what to expect from them. I know what to watch for. I know uh, if they're if they're, they're I can have a conversation with them. I know what what angle it could be coming from, as opposed to going back inside to 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 the station and and doing X Y and Z because you, you might get bombarded or blindsided with something. Like I'd rather deal with the public any day than to actually go back to the office. Hear that often as well. And I and I think that that really comes to where I say family first. That's what I mean by that. You, we got to manage and navigate that so much better because our families are watching this. What do you think? They don't have eyes. They don't have ears. Social media, news channels everywhere. They, all they constantly see are fellow cops throwing fellow cops under the bus at a whim. Mm-hmm. Never mind the ones where we get it wrong. And, and they exist. But mm-hmm. overwhelmingly, the, you know, you don't see the outreach. And then so and but then we expect them to, to sign up for why this ride is worth it. You know, mm-hmm. and again, that's why we're having a retention crisis. I'm, yeah. I'm a firm believer of that. So I want to change gears a little bit and speak to the young adults again. Those that are maybe yeah. still in high school, uh, those young adults that are uh, in college military as well. Um, they have one foot in the door, one would not. They're they're like, I do, I I I, I want to be a law enforcement first responder somehow. 
What yeah. kind of skills should I get? What kind of classes should I take? What should I have to make myself more marketable? And not only to be marketable to get the job, but effective when I get the job as well. So then I, I, when I do get the job and hit the ground running, I can have a positive and successful career. So yeah, I'm going to be a hypocrite. I got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and then I mm -hmm. went on to get my master's in something totally different. Uh, <laughs> and ironically, a lot of the classes I teach on the collegiate level have nothing to do with policing. Um, so here I go with my billboard, stay the hell away from criminal justice. And people are going to say, Tom, you're crazy. It doesn't help you to become a cop. Doesn't help you to become a good cop. What should you focus on? You should focus on psychology, sociology, cultural diversity, all this good stuff. What is that? What's the foundation of it? It's people. It's human behavior. You want to get good at being narco? You want to get good at being vice? You want to get good at being a street sweeper? You got to do people, babe. You got to do people. It's all about people. It it's is. so, isn't it so much nicer when they tell you where the drugs is at? They put yeah. the handcuffs on themselves. I've had a turn. There's no way he gave it up to you like that. I said, you want to make a bet? Yep. Because again, why? We connected as people. Mm -hmm. So I tell everybody that people, people, people skills. Now, what else? I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. Don't just take a job for the sake of taking a job because then that, that's an infatuation. That's mm -hmm. not going to be a passion. There's a difference. And infatuations, we know, they feel good at the moment. They, they taste good. They smell good. And they make your body rush. But what? You get exhausted, right? It right. don't work. That's not how the game works. Mm -hmm. So what do I believe in? I believe in firmly looking for an agency. It may not be the highest money. It may not be the most salacious or the most notorious. But mm -hmm. if you look at you, you have you have, you know, uh, variety, you have, you know, progression, you have these mm -hmm. opportunities. Mm -hmm. People don't know. I kiss and tell all my secrets. I say, <laughs> man, look at that. You could become a police officer, a municipal police officer and become a TFO for a federal agency like the FBI, the DEA. Did uh -huh. you know that? And people are like, no. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to sign up for the feds, but you get all the cookies. Yeah. So. Yep. I think that we like networks like this, platforms like this, we got to keep sharing this. And then I think the next generation will say, oh, I didn't realize that. I can travel and still be a cop. Um, yeah. Wow. I can, I, there's more than just what they see on the television. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, make sure you remember where you're here at first. There is still opportunity. So make sure you guys get out there and look for it. All right. Oh, hell yeah. Yep. You got to stay, stand by. Sergeant Be Safe has another commercial, and we're going to jump right back into it. All right. I hope you enjoy this one, too. I can't wait until my new children's book is finally published. Just riding along in my car listening to music. Yeah, of course you are. And you're not looking in your rear view mirror either. OMG, is that Sergeant B safe behind me? Guess I should get out of the way. Oh my goodness! Pull over to the right and get out of the way! There's an emergency up ahead and I need to get there! Drivers, you should be operating your vehicle with your radio at a reasonable level. You should also be aware of your surroundings, including what's behind you. So when I come through with my flashing lights and siren, you can immediately get out the way and I can go help whoever's in danger 
or whatever emergency is happening. Those seconds that it takes for you to pull over are very valuable. Me and my friends need every second imaginable so we can properly serve you. So pull over to the right immediately when you see our lights and sirens so we can go save a life. Ah, my packages have finally arrived. About time. I'm sure glad I live in an area where nothing happens. Only action around here are deer chomping on people's flowers. I'll take him in after I get done cutting this head grass. This is my favorite pastime. Aha, I see a package left unattended. Another crime of opportunity. Easy pickings for a guy like me. Oh no, there's Be Safe again. Sergeant Be Safe, Hello is that there. you? It's good to see you. Looks like I'm right on time again. Rob, you blind, get out People of there. People make it so easy for me to get caught. Hold on now. He really wanted to steal my packages? Yes, he did. Sergeant Be Safe, you're the best. The coolest cat in the land. You saved the day again. We need more like you, brother. We need more like you. Trust me, I truly appreciate the glory and accolades. But you can really thank me by being vigilant over your property and making my job easy. Well, back to jail you go. Ooh. Package thieves are the worst. Even if you can't get home in time, invest in the security camera so you can catch these thieves. And their next view will look like this. Trust me, this isn't a good view. These seats aren't made for comfort. They're made to transport. Kids, this is one seat you don't want to sit in. Just imagine what your parents would think. Ooh, and this is Sergeant Be Safe giving you another tip of the day to get you on your way. Subscribe now. And we are back at it. Another one of my favorite cartoons right there. But we're going to jump back in this interview with Tom Rizzo here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, I know you do a lot of trainings and speeches and public spe uh, speaking engagements. Uh, do you have anything set or are you still uh, available for any agency that may be looking uh, that you could do some of your training for? Uh, I know that's kind of it's kind of weird question to ask, but I know that you're, you're you, I believe you said you'd be in the Pennsylvania area sometime in September. Do you have any uh, any other locales that you're looking forward to hitting up? Yeah, so on my website, I have the, the rest of the calendar. I, I started to actually book uh, classes into 24 now um, okay. because the rest, the rest of this year is basically taken up where I'm blessed. Like I said, I, my goal, my bucket list is to hit every state. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I was just in Kansas last week. Um, okay. And again, and I'm blessed. You know, I get out there. It's to me, you see, we're, we're so similar, yet we're so different in terms of culture and policing mm -hmm. culture throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And that's where I like to bring something, you know, my class is neat because I make it applicable to all ranks. 
-hmm. you know, uh, even civilian staff, first responders, EM, uh, EMTs, fire, corrections. Okay. So that's the cool part. That's the cool part about it. I believe that leadership is a perspective, not a rank. Mm -hmm. So I, I do it that way and I blend it with resiliency and wellness. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it's been very well received. I, I'm blessed that way for sure. Perfect. All right. And on your website, the website that's scrolling below and I have it in the comments section, is that where you would yep. go to uh, get a copy of your book as well? Yes, sir. You can. Yep. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, I got my, I got my hard copy right here. And I also have audible because most of you know that I listen to audible on night shift in the car because it's a great pastime to learn, hear stories, uh, get experiences and get another perspective as opposed to just listening to music all night. Yeah, I tell you that that was I'm an old fashioned type of guy. Like I like a book in my hand, and mm -hmm. uh, after I wrote it, I just started getting hit up, hit up like crazy about man, you got to do Audible. Um, <laughs> so that was a humbling experience to say the least. You get tongue fatigue after that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so you did your own narration for Audible as well. <laughs> I yeah, I did. It was quite the experience, you know, the studio experience for sure. And and, and you you know you don't like hearing your own voice, but um, and again, trying to read words that you wrote, and I'm like, why is this coming out like? You know, it sounded like hieroglyphics at one point, but uh, but I got I got through it though. <laughs> More power to you. It's a great book. It's a great read, Thank ladies you. and gentlemen. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. taking the time to uh, write it and share your experiences and knowledge. Yeah, you know, again, though, man, it was a bucket list. So I tell people all the time, go for it. If you have that thing, I, I firmly believe every dare that you give yourself, succeed or fail. Every mm -hmm. dare you give yourself, uh, you delete your memory of a regret that you've had over your life. Oh, so. I like uh, that. It, 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 it works, man. You know, I've been through therapy. Um, you know, uh, luckily I was never suicidal, but uh, I've lost uh, two close friends at 14 uh, to suicide. Um, and then a colleague, a work colleague, uh, suicide uh, by cop, by his own department. Um, so for me, um, the toll, the mental health part of it, uh, a lot of that is ground in regret, right? And then that turns anxiety, outward anxiety, turns to inward depression, and here we go. Um, so, you know, so I, I say, yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's just like, if you have this insatiable curiosity to do something. So it took me so long to do that. Not because it was an arduous task. I was so scared of what the cop industry would, you know, rip it apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And, 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 and we eat our own. Yeah. And it was eating at me like my own cancer. And, uh, so Again, like I, I don't deserve, you know, the platform. I mean, thousands of copies later, I, I can't believe it. Um, you know, I, I did the whole pinnacle. I got to number one on Amazon and I'm like, exactly. you know, my kids, my kids got the, you know, the whole thing screenshot and framed for me. Um, you That's know, cool. again, I, I don't deserve it. I say that all the time. Uh, but the fact that it's happened for me is just uh, I feel like it's it's the whole fulfillment game. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, and you may not say you deserve it, but I, I I believe you do. To put yourself out there is not easy. To put to no, put it and no. to get a book done from start to finish is a lot of organization, a lot of thought that goes into it. So to reach number one on Amazon, I say you do deserve it, and congratulations to you. I, I appreciate that, bro. Thank you. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, Tom, we, we had a great conversation. And through the course of conversation, I may have forgot to ask a question or I may have jogged your memory on something that you want to touch on. Right now, is there anything that you want to put out there? The floor is yours. 
Yeah, man, uh, I firmly believe in that if we just did one simple thing, sort of like what we're doing today, and it's paying it forward. We've all paid for something, right? There's been some type of toll that we've had to pay, you know, in our trials and our tribulations. And, and, and I think that we as cops, we as first responders, we just as people, if we expose the vulnerability of who we are and what makes us up and what makes the good sides of us, the bad sides of us and the like, uh, I think that's the key to connection. And I really think that that'll be the key to moving forward and building bridges. And uh, I always, always enjoy the opportunity to connect, to engage, to conversate, to network, however the case may be. You know, I won't stop. I can't stop. Uh, I believe in what I'm doing and I believe in what you're doing. And I believe in what a lot of other folks are doing. And I think that uh, that gives me hope for our future. That's for sure. So I'm very, very grateful, very blessed uh, that you invited me on here. And again, Absolutely. I appreciate it, you know, very much so. And, and again, you go ahead and continue the work that you're doing as well, my friend. You have my love and my respect. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's a common cause, you know, getting information out there and sharing good experiences and perspectives. Yes. Uh, thank you for making time uh, to come on the platform, for blessing the platform as well. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to watching you flourish. Uh, I know that your trainings are going to be amazing. I, I, when you're in this area or, or area where I can travel to, uh, don't be surprised if you see me sitting in the, in the middle of the room somewhere looking at you going, yeah, I'm not him cheering you on to I go. Mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Black and Blue. This is uh, uh, the platform where we humanize the badge. We have individuals on here who are first responders or law enforcement that are either rookie season or retirees, and they talk about their publications, their trainings, their experiences, and we get that information out there to you. Those of you that are looking to get into the field, make sure you come tune in, ask your questions. Those of you who are just curious about how things are done, please feel free to engage and ask your questions. We go live weekly, once a week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I got a special guest coming on next week. I'd like to tell you who they are, but I'm not going to, but I want you to tune in. <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning in you guys be safe you guys take care of each other we love you 10-4 over and out I'm over here counting my stash Cooper, get out of here. Last time you got me in trouble with Be Safe. This is a good spot to sell my drugs. Sergeant Be Safe, we just got a call for suspicious activity. Copy that, dispatch. Captain Chaos and his canine Kraken along with me are just now arriving on the scene. We'll stop and check it out. 10-4, Sergeant Be Safe. Oh no, cops! I'm out of here. Release the Kraken. Hey, we see your drugs over there. Stop running, treacherous Tony. We will get you. All right. All right. All right. I give up. I won't do it again. Yeah, yeah, you say that all the time. I'm sick of going to jail. Illegal drugs are a bad decision. Just ask Treacherous Tony. This isn't a good view. Take it from me, Sergeant B. Safe. I want you to make good decisions.
And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Subscribe now.